a roundup of the main business news from China and elsewhere. This is Global Business. From CTTN headquarters here in Beijing, this is Global Business. I'm Lin Lu. Coming up in the program. Gaining strength, the People's Bank of China sets central parity rate of the yuan at 7.1254 against the U.S. dollar on Wednesday, and we look into the applications. And we find out what is the latest in the application of autonomous driving. What it means for customers and businesses in the world's largest automobile market. Chinese President Xi Jinping has called for an immediate ceasefire in the Israel-Palestine conflict. He made the remarks during a video conference with leaders of the BRICS nations on Tuesday. Gao Yiming has more details. Meeting for the first time since BRICS expanded its members in August, the leaders focused on the conflict between Israel and Palestine. Xi Jinping called for involved parties to stop the violence and attacks on civilians and to release the people held hostage. He also asked for more humanitarian assistance to Gaza and the smooth operation of humanitarian corridors. The Chinese president called for the international community to take concrete action to prevent the crisis from escalating into a wider conflict in the Middle East. Xi Jinping says the fundamental solution to this recurring conflict is to implement the two-state solution, restore the legitimate rights of the Palestinians, and establish an independent Palestinian state. He says China has been actively engaging in the mediation of a ceasefire since the conflict broke out in October, and has been providing emergency aid to Gaza. Holding the rotating presidency of the UN Security Council for November, China has asked for the extension of the opening of humanitarian corridors to Gaza. Other leaders at the meeting also expressed concern over the conflict and denounced any form of violence against innocent civilians. They stressed the role of dialogue in addressing the crisis and supported all efforts to achieve a peaceful resolution. Gao Yiming, CGTN. The head of the International Energy Agency, Fatih Birol, warned on Tuesday that the oil market is on edge over the latest crisis in the Middle East. Birol said that market prices have not yet been affected, but if one or more of the oil-producing countries in the region is directly involved in the conflict, it will have an impact. The World Bank's Commodity Markets Outlook report earlier noted that oil prices have risen about six percent since the start of the conflict. It also noted that if the conflict escalates, policymakers in developing countries will need to take steps to manage a potential increase in headline inflation. The World Bank's chief economist Indermit Gill said that the global economy would face a dual energy shock for the first time in decades from both the conflict in Ukraine and war. In the Middle East, he added that many potential prices hikes will depend on what happens to world oil markets, prices, and exports. Let's get more insights now on the、uh, conflict and its potential spillover effects on the global economy. Let's、uh, talk to Ms. Wang Yaojing, Associate Professor of Economics at Peking University. Ms. Wang, great to have you on the show as always. So、uh, let's、uh, talk about what factors are investors monitoring closely in relation to the fluctuation of、uh, oil prices following the onset of the Israel-Palestine conflict. Well,、uh, thank you for having me again. 
there are several factors that are expected to affect the oil price outlook. Uh, first one is the OPEC Plus meeting on Sunday, whether they will extend uh, their voluntary production cut until the spring. And the conflict between Israel and Palestine has made politics within OPEC even more complicated. And some of its members' countries uh, might push for an oil embargo to showcase a strengthened Arab community during times like this. And that was the supply side. Another concern on uh, oil price comes from the demand side as well. Uh, the slowing down of the world economy uh, will lend weak demand for oil. And data showed that the U.S. gasoline consumption fell to a two-decade low. So to sum up, it is a tricky time for investors as a lot of the uncertainties are going on simultaneously on both sides of the market. Now, in the event of an escalation in the conflict, what potential consequences can we anticipate in terms of its impact on the oil markets? Well, the World Bank has forecasted the oil price would hit $90 a barrel towards the end of the year. However, if the conflicts were to escalate, depending on the scale, it is likely to cause a reduction of oil supply by somewhat between uh, 1 million to up to a 5 million barrels a day based on historical experience since the 1970s, for example, the Libyan civil war in 2011, which would drive up uh, oil prices to uh, $100 to up to $120 a barrel immediately after the escalation. Although countries across the world have bolstered their defense against oil price shocks after the energy crisis in the 70s, there are still vulnerable markets. Uh, especially emerging markets in the world that will suffer heavily from oil price fluctuations. Okay, so in addition to oil prices, what other economic ramifications have manifested globally as a result of the ongoing conflict? Well, there are many commodities, uh, such as gold, have also been affected by the conflict. And gold prices are, are particularly sensitive to geopolitical frictions and have risen about um, 8% since the onset of the Israel-Palestine conflict. It is reflecting a signal of erosion of uh, investor confidence. And besides gold, another category that requires the most attention would be food. Uh, conflicts bring greater risk of food insecurity from soaring global food prices. And food and energy insecurity together brought by the conflict is harming developing countries the most, and which is why China has always been calling for ceasefire and at the same time accelerating the transition to renewable energy sources and increasing efficiency food production and trade. Well, great insights. Thank you very much. That's Ms. Wang Yaojing, Assistant Professor of Economics, Peking University. The Chinese yuan surged to its highest level in over five months against the U.S. dollar on Wednesday, with the central parity rate of the Chinese currency strengthening to 7.1254 against the greenback, that is according to the China Foreign Exchange Trade System. China's yuan extended its winning streak this week, gaining from a much stronger midpoint fixing and more stable China-U.S. ties. After rising 800 basis points to touch 7.16 to the U.S. dollar on Monday, its best show in four months, the onshore renminbi continued to gather in strength to approach 7.14 during early trading on Tuesday. Analysts attribute the yuan's performance in the foreign exchange market to the increased momentum of China's economic recovery.
And now for more analysis of the appreciation of the RMB and its impact, we're now joined by Mr. Wang Jianhui, General Manager, R&D Department of Capital Securities. Ms. Wang, so both onshore, offshore yuan are strengthened against the US dollar. What are the implications for businesses? Oh, tech, uh, generally speaking, uh, technical uh, fluctuation of foreign exchange rates, uh, which is the case currently, uh, would not have meaningful effects uh, in the short term since the traders usually lock in the exchange rates uh, when they sign the sales or purchase contracts. In the midterm, the influence of RMB appreciations yet to be seen. Uh, uh, it could be somehow positive for the imports if the trends continued. And uh, the current monthly trade volume is over 490 billion US dollars. And the RMB has appreciated by 2.8% during the last seven trading days. So uh, theoretically, uh, 11 to 14 billion dollar business could be somehow affected uh, within the next uh, three to six months. Back to you, lady. And also, do you expect to see further appreciation of the yuan in the month of December? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, first of all, the, the appreciation of RMB this time is uh, overdue correction which is not done yet. So there are still too many short positions or short to future contracts about RMB in the market, which needs to be closed. And then the balance between the supply and demand of RMB could be restored. And secondly, the Fed will hold the next meeting in the middle of the Fed's, uh, December. And the market expects uh, no further hikes as well in this meeting since the Fed has expressed uh, some kind of concern about the tight conditions of the financial markets uh, due to the higher interest rates. And for the Chinese in, uh, central banks, further loosening up uh, measures uh, would not be likely, would not seem likely, uh, since the 10-year T-bill yield has increased from 2.55% to 2.67% uh, during the last week. Thank you. Yes, and uh, how can the RMB remain, let's say, relatively insulated from the spillover effects of the uh, Federal Reserve's monetary policies? Uh, yes, the, uh, the technically speaking, the stability of RMB relies on the coordinated monetary policies between the central banks. So previously, uh, we, as we can see, the Chinese and the U.S. central banks have been going in opposite directions. So with uh, Chinese uh, loosening up and the U.S. is tightening up. Uh, but, uh, and the results uh, are the strong U.S. dollars and the weak RMBs. And in the long run, I think, uh, to ensure the stability of the foreign exchange rate, so we need to continually enhance the level of internationalization of our currencies. So uh, if more nations use RMB as uh, foreign reserve currencies, so the situation will be much, uh, will, will, will be very much different. Back to you. Well, great insights. Thank you very much, Mr. Wang Jianhui, General Manager Thank of the R&D Department of Capital Securities for us. High interest rates and inflation have put pressure on economies around the world this year. But some popular tourist destinations have benefited from an exchange rate boost before the U.S. dollar started to weaken. Jun Wei Sum explains. In the 80s, prices in Japan were sky high but not anymore. Everyone I know has come to Japan because the, the dollar is so much stronger than the yen right now. Even my Japanese friends that come to Hawaii come over and tell me how much a Diet Coke is in Japan. And I was like, what, that's it? 
It's a night and day difference. A thousand yen is like seven dollars, I think, something like that. So it makes everything seem a lot cheaper. Tourists from the U.S. and elsewhere are flocking to Japan, brought in at least partly by the strong dollar and weak yen. Their buying power led to visitors spending topping pre-pandemic levels in September. The number of foreign visitor arrivals to Japan also jumped beyond 2019 levels for the first time in October. Other countries where a falling currency has lured tourists include Turkey and Argentina. Foreign tourist arrivals to Turkey were up by more than 12% in the first nine months of the year, from the same period in 2022. Argentina's tumbling peso, while bad for locals, is attracting visitors holding U.S. dollars. The demand for greenbacks is so high that there are currently 12 different official and unofficial exchange rates. Trying not to confuse tourists, the government even introduced a tourist-only preferential exchange rate. That higher rate applies to visitors using credit and debit cards, an example of just how important tourism can be to an economy that needs hard cash. Junwei Sum, CGTN. U.S. Federal Reserve officials have reached a general consensus that a central bank should proceed cautiously when making future decisions regarding interest rates. During their most recent policy meeting on Tuesday, participants agreed that if incoming information suggests that progress towards the committee's inflation goal is inadequate, further tightening of monetary policy would be appreciated. Although the Fed has not explicitly stated that it has finished combating rapid price increases, the focus of discussions has shifted towards determining how long to maintain the policy rate within the current range of 5.25 to 5.50 percent. And after the meeting minutes were released, the U.S. stocks experienced a slight additional declines and closed lower. Mortgage rates have recently provided some relief for American home buyers, offering a glimmer of hope after a prolonged period of soaring rates not seen in over 20 years. And according to the Mortgage Bankers Association, the average rate of a 30-year fixed mortgage has now dropped to its lowest level in more than a year. This raises the question of whether it will serve as motivation for shell-shocked Americans who have been postponing their home purchases due to exorbitant prices and challenging lending conditions. Karina Michon examines the current state of the mortgage market in light of these changes. After hitting a 23-year high of 8% in October, mortgage rates are starting to ease. The drop is providing only modest relief to discouraged homebuyers, however, who've been sidelined by sky-high rates and tight lending facilities. The average rate for a 30-year fixed mortgage, the most common residential loan option, has nearly tripled since January of 2021. With fewer homes for sale and home prices climbing to record highs, homeownership is now out of reach for many middle-class Americans. For American households who are relying on mortgages to finance that house purchase, it's pretty much out of reach because the debt burden uh, is enormous. Mortgage rates have become so unsustainable that, according to a recent survey, 64% of potential home buyers say they'd be okay with a recession in the U.S. if it meant lower rates. However, Xu says while the current housing market is brutal for many, for those who can afford it and are willing to pay all cash, there are deals to be had due to a big drop in sales. Back in 2022, beginning of 2022, the annual 
uh, S&P K-Shiller Home Price Index was growing at 20% a year. Now it's growing at 2% a year. So to the all-cash buyer, this is a great market. As rates take lower, she predicts more buyers could pour into the market, pushing housing prices even higher. According to a report from real estate firm Redfin, home hunters need to make about $115,000 to afford a median-priced home in America. Highline Residential focuses on homes for sale and rent in the New York area. It says business has been brisk despite high mortgages, low inventory, and soaring prices. Expectations were that uh, the prices are going to go down, but that has not really happened. The market has remained stable as far as pricing is concerned. Where we've seen the dip is transaction volume, which means the number of buys and sells in the city. For those currently in limbo on their quest for home ownership, Wadwani has some tips. Date the rate, but marry the home. In other words, you can look around for best mortgage interest rates, uh, not just stick with your particular lender. Uh, you can look to refinance for the future. She also suggests making a list of home features that you consider essential. For example, if location is key, she says maybe consider buying a fixer-upper instead of a new construction. There will likely be less competition for homes that require extra effort and investment. Karina Mitchell, CGTN, New York. Fresh data from China Association of Automobile Manufacturers showed that new energy vehicle sales in China took up more than one-third of the market share during the first 10 months of the year. And the booming NEV market has brought new business prospects for foreign suppliers here. Zhang Shixuan has more. 17 cars on the track at the Shanghai F1 International Circuit. It's not a race, but a demonstration of cutting-edge technologies in e-mobility, automated driving, vehicle motion control, and integrated safety systems. Here, I'm testing more than a dozen new energy vehicles, getting a peek at the latest functions and configurations drivers are after, and what the competition is like. You can see I'm driving right at the center of the lane without much control on the steering wheel. We can also adjust the speed here. Now it got faster. When it comes to an intersection, the car will exit automatic driving mode. I'm about to park my car. Maybe one of the toughest tasks for many beginners, but this system has made it all easier for you. All I need to do is pick my ideal parking lot, and let's start. And let's see how long it takes. It takes just 40 seconds. And while this may seem just a minor upgrade of existing parking assist technology, there's something more exciting on the wheels. Usually we should have a very large space for a U-turn, but thanks to its flexible wheels, it's turning in a smaller circle. It doesn't take much space here. The secret is a system which allows the wheels to rotate, allowing the car to move sideways or even turn on the spot. For example, when the car is extremely close to the wall, and the driver wants to get the car out, if only the front wheels can steer, the car will yaw, which may cause scratches on the car. But with the crab walk, the front and rear wheels can coordinate with each other and quickly get the car away from the wall, avoiding scratches. All new applications were developed by the German auto parts supplier ZF, but many of the models are made by Chinese automakers. The speed of electrification and the adaption of electrified products is nowhere faster than here in, here in China. We've got to be really fast. We'll try at least not to, to develop products, for example, in Germany, and then try and implement it in the Chinese market. We would most probably fail 
because we wouldn't be quick enough. So what we do now is a lot of the new technologies are developed locally here in China. Our local teams understand our local Chinese customers and that enables us to adapt to the market um, at the right speed and that, that enables us to transform at market speed. Some of the technologies today are technologies that we're implementing first in China. We're going to industrialize them first in China and then we're going to bring them out into the world. Just last week, the company staged a global debut of its purely electromechanical braking system in China. It helps shorten the braking distance by up to 9 meters when the car is traveling at 100 kilometers per hour. ZF Group has been in the auto parts industry for a century, and the German firm is now shifting heavily towards electrification. Combustion engine-related parts already account for less than a third of the company's business, and China, as the world's largest EV market, remains as a strategic market for ZF and many other foreign companies as well. The market is already in full competition, but we have to acknowledge also that the market will be even more when there's more fierce competition in the next two years, because there will be even newcomers. More and more important is the intelligence of the vehicle, whether they have the autonomous driving functions, whether they can facilitate the driving experience of the customer, that's getting more and more important in the next two years. It is expected that more than 9 million units of NEVs will be sold this year in China, making it clear just why foreign firms are so focused on their business here. Zhao Shixuan, ICS for CGTN, Shanghai. And China's autonomous driving sector is on track to become the world's largest market for self-driving vehicles by year 2030, with revenue from these vehicles and related mobility service projected to exceed 500 billion U.S. dollars. That is according to consultancy firm McKinsey. Recent data from China's industry ministry indicates that over 40% of new cars sold in the country now come equipped with autonomous driving systems. The Chinese autonomous driving market is poised for further expansion with substantial capital influx. And according to PitchBook Data, a research firm, Chinese autonomous, uh, autonomous vehicle companies have secured approximately 60% of global venture capital investment since the beginning of 2022, surpassing investments in U.S. companies. And now let's get some discussions on the autonomous driving sector here in China. We're joined by Dai Jingning, a partner at market consultancy Roland Berger. Mr. Dai, great to have you on the show with us. Uh, so what does the fact that passenger cars with level 2 autonomous driving accounted for more than 40% of all passenger cars sold in China during the first half of 2022, what's in, what, what does it in indicate about the potential commercialization of autonomous driving? Yeah, hello. Hi. Thank you for inviting me. And I think the... Um, the future of the AD development in China is very um, positive I mean, with like three um, factors for uh, contributing. Firstly, in, in, the, in the following year, as, as you mentioned, like 42.4%, I think in the, in the following year, the percentage rate of the uh, smart vehicle in China will be much higher than that. By the, um, the customer is very accepting on those ADs. And also the um, second, the AD level will be higher. It's not only like level two, because nowadays we can see the um, the AD technologies are very uh, very dual and they the developing very fast. Those um, later our V2X communication and the higher position map positioning is not only not longer like only the concept or the PowerPoint stage. But from the, um, the Guangzhou Auto Show a couple of days ago, we can see many OEMs, they are already implement or trying to um, mass producing those technology on the, on the cars. 
So, um, and lastly, um, with more and more, I mean, real world use case accumulated from the customer daily driving, the AD modeling will develop in the fast fees. This could benefit on the um, AD safety and make our AD more safe and more convenient. And also, uh, we know that in order to compete in the thriving EV market, that Chinese companies have already been playing up driving, assistant driving technologies. Uh, how large is the market are we talking about for autonomous driving systems in China? Um, I, th I think the, uh, the AD market in China will be expanding along with the auto sales market development. And I, 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 I think it's very positive about the, uh, the market size of AD in China for the, um, following three reasons. Firstly, I think with the um, continuous development of the um, tech, such as AI and sensors, I believe the, uh, the cost of the uh, auto driving will gradually decrease, while the application scope will continue to expand. And secondly, we have like a uh, strong policy support. And we can see like many local government in our country have issued policies related to intelligent connected vehicles. And one more thing to, to mention here, that is with like a strong strategic partnership between new tier one suppliers and our OEMs will definitely boost the market to develop it. Uh, taking like um, Horizon, like Dipingxian as example from our Guangzhou Auto Show, the, they launched their Journey uh, 6 flagship chip and uh, announced the list of cooperation with OEMs have uh, in that, in that case, the um, Horizon Deepingxian have a big influence on the AD de development later on. Yeah. Well, uh, Mr. Tsai, to what extent do you think the uh, development of self-driving is relying on advancements in AI technologies? Um, I think AI technology has like a big impact on our lives. Every, uh, all the industries are talking about AIs. So um, the auto industry is, of course, no exception. I mean, the AD development is highly relied on AI, of course, I think. And in general, I mean, AI will shorten the R&D period and, uh, by, um, and also the, um, the modeling will upgrade it by collecting the real-world use case. And the AI can help to improve the, uh, the driving safety in the dramatic I mean, uh, driving solution. I mean, I, I think it's a specific use scenario and it's a auto, it's a Guangzhou Auto Show uh, case again. We we, we saw uh, Li Xiang, the Li Auto. They announced a large model called uh, Mad GPT. This model can help vehicle become less dependent on the high definition map, future to enhance the uh, the performance of the intelligent driving. Well, thank you very much for painting that picture for us. That's Mr. Dai Jiangning, partner at Roland Burger. And with that, we're wrapping up this edition of Global Business here on CGTN. Thanks for being with us. I'm Lily Liu in Beijing.